With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This was huge for us. We executed. We were more intense. We made plays when we needed to. Kids were well prepared. They played their butt off. And I think that's a sign of what we're capable of. Best team we love coming in as the underdogs. We wanted this week in practice. You know, we were prepared and that brought confidence. And we played our ass off. of high school football in Connecticut. I'm your host, Sean Patrick Boley, and with me is Pete Paguaga. Pete, how are you? What's up? Good, Sean. Hanging in there, man. We're uh, we're getting down to the home stretch. It's uh, quite exciting. I, mean, I always say this to start, but what a week we had. It was, you know, every week just crazy results, and uh, there was none crazier. Than, well, I would say none crazier, but uh, I did not expect 54 nothing Fairfield Prep over Shelton. I don't think anybody expected 54 nothing over Shelton. Shelton! Like, this wasn't like, there have been great, big Fairfield prep victories. I mean, I remember one that basically changed the SEC forever. 75 to nothing over East Haven in 2003. The next year, they realigned into large schools and small schools. And they, you know, when they invited foreign and law to come in, and, uh, you know, that changed things. But uh, uh, that was their biggest win since then. But you never hear them. You never hear Fairfield Prep beating Shelton by that much. It was an obliteration. I'm thinking, like, for the old-timers out there, remember the Chicago Bears when they beat uh, uh, the Dallas Cowboys in 1985? They beat Landry's Cowboys 55 to whoever it was, to ridiculous. Uh, and that basically ended the Cowboys dynasty under Landry back in 85 and started the Bears' rise to Super Bowl champs. That's how this felt. You know, that's how this felt. And I said, Pete, we didn't, you know, Pete, I mean, what did you think? You were there, but. Stunned. Uh, look, not only is this a Fairfield Prep Shelton, two teams in the, in the SEC, two top teams in the SEC, but 
these are two top 10 teams in the poll <laughs> teams fighting for playoff spots. I mean, we've seen scores like that in time and it's usually like a really good team and, and a team that's struggling. This was two teams that are competing for spots to compete for a state title. It was shocking. It was stunning. It was surprising. It keep pulling out the superlatives. It was everything. I, 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 it was everything. Exactly. And like good for Fairfield prep. Um, I don't know what the heck happened with Shelton, but um, yeah, uh, just yeah, mind as, blowing. Uh, as uh, Mike DeFelice said, uh, I got a big old <laughs> welt on my bottom right now. They, he, you know, what can you do? You just kind of Shelton season far from over. There's nothing they could do. They got they got a butt whooping. That's the bottom line. It's like two years ago when Shelton went in there, fired up to beat Fairfield Prep. It was just a reverse of that. This was Fairfield Prep saying, we're here, man. Get used to it. And uh, it was dominant. From the get-go, from the opening kickoff, it was Ryan O'Connell and the guys completely just shutting Shelton down. One first down all game and 21 total yards. The Jesuits got started early with a 23-point first quarter. Yeah, Jonathan Morris recovering a fumble on Shelton's second possession. And then Dan Barnick scoring the first of his two touchdowns on a 33-yard run up the sidelines. He scored another to make it 40, 14 to nothing. And then he had Tymaine Smith. What a great game he had. Stripping Tyler Rich and go, going 38 yards the other way for a 21-0 Fairfield prep lead. And they were off to the races. You had Dan Mullen getting a safety in there after a Sean Donahue sack. Fairfield Prep put its foot on the gas and floored it for four quarters. It was 33-0 at the half. Next thing you know, it was 40 to nothing. I lost track. I, I even tweeted the wrong score out. <laughs> we had Pete, we had the we had the uh bomb squad chirping at us. At us. I got to the game. I, I parked behind the school because I knew last time getting out of there was ridiculous because it was I was parked in the parking lot and it was like a madhouse getting out. I had to wait like an hour to get out of there. This time I parked a walk away, but within a way just to get out on the North Benson Road. As soon as I get there, it's like these guys, they had like, you know, they had eagle eyes. The bombs go. They're on the lookout. They're like, deep time. Come, come, come over here. No, no, no. I wasn't doing that. I get to the stadium. They're all there chirping at us. Two. Two votes. How could you not vote for us? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, geez, you lost against Greenwich. It's a different Fairfield prep team now. But, yeah, we, we, we got, you know, they're all talking about us. Hellstern, who's we're going to have Keith Hellstern on the show to talk a little prep football because why not? It was that dominant. But they were all saying nobody picked you. Just keep doing anything. We it stuck in their craw, Pete. We were the bad. It was like I didn't know who was worth. Either you were Shelton or us. Who was the bad guys? I don't know. Oh, it's definitely us. <laughs> we're always the bad guys. But I'm just wondering. Shelton's got one game left against Cheshire. They don't. They didn't really get that many points from Derby's forfeit. How does Shelton recover? Well, How do you come back from Cheshire. a 54 nothing butt kicking? Well. They've done it before, right? They lost 41 to 7 to Trumbull. Came back from that, you know, got back into our good graces. Now they're back out. 
Yeah, but if the playoffs started today, they'd be going back to Rafferty. We would, yeah. They would be right now. Fairfield Prep now climbing to number two in the class double L standings. Shelton drops down only to seven. Not not too terrible because they have the Derby forfeit. But that's as you said, that's not getting them a lot of points. You know, now now they got to beat Cheshire and they got to hope that they can maintain that that position. Now, I'm going to preface this. A lot of this is going to be talking about we're going to talk about a lot about the playoffs here. Uh, but, you know, obviously Fairfield Prep basically cementing their spot. I mean, they they still got to beat Xavier. They still got to beat West Haven. But I think they've accrued enough points, even if they happen to falter Bolton, which I doubt. Um, you know, I think they'll they'll be not doing enough to survive this. But, you know, I think everyone with about seven, I think everyone who's seven and one right now, you know, West Haven, which came back, which held off Cheshire in an amazing game. Southington Hall, which lost its first game. We'll get that in a second. New Cannon. And I think even, you know, obviously Darian at eight. No, I think those teams are all going to get in. I think it's a matter of finding out which five and two, or sorry, seven and two, which two lost team. Shelton Staples, which two of them are going to get in here. You know, maybe even a three loss if they lose. Staples happen to lose if Hamden happens to lose. If those who lose, Shelton's going to be a great spot if they beat Cheshire. But it, there is room here. Trumbull, certainly. Greenwich. Yeah, Greenwich. It, Not Greenwich so much could, Newtown and Norwalk, but. Greenwich could beat Stanford and Staples and be yeah. seven and three and have accumulated more points than some two lost teams. Greenwich is in a really good spot because they could they have they, they can knock out the team that's ahead of them. Yep. And, you know, with the new state. So if you're you're not. Too in tune with this, it's a little different than years past. Very quickly, 10 win, uh, 100 wins, 100 points for a win, 10 points for every win that your opponent that you beat gets. And now we have this new thing and it's an average of, of how many games you play. And now we have this new thing called the strength of schedule points. And I'll be honest with you. I tried going through it yesterday, Sunday. Couldn't do it. It's you. It's, gave me a you gave me a tutorial this morning, and it was confusing. It was worse than taking pre calc in high school. Which, <laughs> for any New Yorkers out there, I failed the math B region twice my senior, my junior year. <laughs> the, the schedule points is making it ridiculously tough because it's almost like the what? How did I describe it? It's like the limbo levels of uh, of uh, Inception. Makes that's what we are. I, that's what we did. So now you got to find because now you're getting points for every win all of your opponents had not just the ones you beat and you get five points for every single one and they added that to the total so now you're, you got to drill down to see not just how many who's playing who and what but how many wins it's just it's a mess and if you if you're a coach trying to figure this out you know it's a mess thank god you only have to do it for yourself <laughs> but we have to do it for our four classes it's ridiculous so this this is harder to figure out than the nba salary cap which makes no sense <laughs> this is just big They've overcomplicated this. Yeah. I get it. I understand what the reasoning for it is, but this is so overcomplicated. It like, wasn't. <laughs> it just, it just, it's just way too complicated. Yeah, I know. It's not as big. The good news is it's not as big a deal as it was in 2009. When, or like the lot, when we had six playoff races, there's only four teams getting in. Yeah. Um, because that, it was up in the air. You didn't know and you needed, because it was four teams. And all these teams vying for four spots. You, you didn't know who was even close until the last day. That's what made it so excited. Then they added this. For, now it's eight for each class. And now it's like teams qualified week seven. Which is, I mean, I suspect, I didn't figure it out. But I, I'm pretty sure Darian is qualified. If not, it's very close. 
Um, so getting back to this, you know, so prep Buchanan Hall, Southington, West Haven, West Haven. That was a great win, by the way. You know, we 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 talked a little bit about them. We talked to Rich Boucher before the season. And he said, look, uh, if we start off great, it's going to be kind of our, because of our schedule. We'll find out how good we are late. And right now, listen, their schedule still isn't good. They lost to Hamden early, but uh, beating Notre Dame West Haven, you know, which, OK, not great, but still, that's a tier one team. And then coming back and beating a pretty good Cheshire team that hasn't given up yet. Going down, which went right down the field, almost pulled that game out with but a great play in the goal line. Stopped at the one-yard line as time expired. So West Haven put themselves into this into this whole big thing here. The the one that's really throwing a monkey wrench into his hand, which just absolutely crushed Sheehan, which we were all afraid of. Now Sheehan, Class S school play, you know, competing against and double L school to get to get into Class S playoffs. You know, they had to do it two years ago too, and they you know still even with Bogan and all those guys, it was still it wasn't a done deal until like you know later in the game, if I remember correctly. But, uh, it's just- uh, <laughs> you know looking at it, I, you know Hamden's not easy the rest of the way. Law's not a bad M team, uh, and then you know the Green Bowl on Thanksgiving. And if Notre Dame West Haven's fully healthy, you know Ham. When was the last time Hamden won that game? Yeah, it's been what two thousand five. It's been a long time. I just yeah. remember my our you know friend of the program Colin McDonough, Hamden uh, graduate native, used to work at the Current. He tweeted at me on Thanksgiving. He goes, oh, best part of the day. Hampton didn't lose the green ball this year. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, their road is not easy by no, any but stretch it's not of the hard imagination. Either. No, but if you look at it, you say, well, Hampton did beat West Haven, who was sitting there at six. Yeah. That's you know, they control. Memory. The thing is, Hampton controls their destiny. Yeah. Um, and that's yes. what you want at this point. You know, you look at Staples and Greenwich, they're going to play. Trumbull has St. Joe's like there's a lot that even if Hamden does stumble in one of those games, there's a lot more that could go wrong underneath them that could just leave them up there. Though I think Greenwich wins both of those games at seven and three. Again, not a math guy, but there are a lot of Greenwich certainly not out of the out of the out of the wood. Well, certainly not out of it yet. I mean, they could get their schedule points. They already have 235 right now. And, uh, you know, it's going to go up when they play staples. Um, yeah, I mean, they're in a good spot. You know, staples needs also in a good spot. They got Ridgefield and Greenwich, so they could possibly leapfrog here. If they win those two games, Hamden, not quite out of it. They're not going to get any points from West Hill. Their schedule points are not great. 175 right now. That's not going to go up. Notre Dame's not helping them out, but the good news for Hamden is they could probably win all those three games and Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame got smoked. It looks like they've kind of, after getting beat by West Haven, you know, Pakota going down, they got smoked by Greg Xavier last week, 35, nothing, you know, and that ain't any of that game badly. And now they're pretty much done. They got a, basically two games left and that, that that'll be it. You know, so Stan, so Greenwich, Greenwich is in the best spot. Greenwich is in a good spot. I mean, they're number 10 right now. They're in a good spot, you know, and trouble coming up with a big win. They kind of put themselves into the mix here. Like Rich they have to beat St. Joe's off. though. Huh? Trouble has to beat St. Joe's. Well, that's though. true. But, Maybe that's where I'll go on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that should be a fun one. That'll be on Thanksgiving a day. So that'll be good. It's been a long time. Um, but uh, Hamden, again, Cameron Winder and uh, you know, Sam Duma basically with a 300 yards rushing offense against Sheehan. And, you know, I think they scored five touchdowns together. So that's 
Hey, you know, good for Hamden to get in. I just, it schedules just. The SEC's got to do something about it. this tier tier thing is just fail. It's a failure. This um, tier thing can't work if you're trying to do the alliance schedule. Yeah. Well, I think that's you're pulling. Why, he's pulling his conference into two different directions. You need to balance it a little bit better. They did go to tiers so they could do that. That's the thing. You know what I mean? But the, his handed schedule, they're one of the largest schools in the state. And I know they have struggled. And you want to help them out a little bit, that's fine. But, like, giving your best teams the best teams in the other conferences where you're giving Hamden nobodies and then you also have them play nobodies in your or even smaller schools in your conference, that's you're going to get Hamden and West Haven in and everyone's going to be cheering and they're going to get smoked in the playoffs. Well, maybe, here's Ham, the maybe thing. West Haven doesn't, but here's not, the thing. Not good. What, 2017? When Hand won um, with Phoenix Billings as a sophomore, yeah, yeah. they were the a deal. lot of people are like, yeah, but, but a lot of people are like, oh well, Hand was getting love when they were in tier two. No, they weren't. Hand wasn't ranked going into that. They were they had one loss. They were nine and one going into the state playoffs in Class L. They were not ranked. Yeah, they won Class L. Cross, I remember. Yeah, they won Class L. And we're ranked the number two team in the state, and they stayed in that top three until the end of, until the beginning of this year. But they weren't getting love. No one no. was like, "Oh my god, this hand team's so good." It was like they're playing no one now. The, here's the time: put up or shut up in the playoffs. And they went out and they won the whole they damn won thing. The playoffs, you know. So you know, if you want I think any coach in the playing that, that schedule, yeah. But I'm saying playing the schedule that West Haven and Hamden has had. Well, well you want you, you, you least... want respect. Go you out. Could... Win the whole thing. Win a playoff game. Yeah. Do something. Don't bow out in the first round and say, well, we deserve respect because you're not going to get it. Um, hand and schedule. I mean, let's look at it real quick. Hill House, they won by two. Beat West Haven. That's their best one, 13-6 in overtime. Great game by, uh, I, I forget who it was. It was Weiner. Beat West Haven, 13-6 in overtime. McMahon beat by 20. Lost their old their tier one game versus North Haven. North Haven, which I didn't want a game yet, smoked them basically 28-7. Now North Haven's a tough team, but then Benell beat them, came to their house, beat them in overtime. Now Benell the next week went out the hand and got crushed like 50 to 14 or something like that. Then hand then came back against a Wilbur Crossing that's sketchy at best, beat them by two touchdowns, 14 zip. Then they had the Sheen game. They're probably their best win in a year, their most complete one. But now you're looking at then they have law, West Hill. None of these are going to be confused with, you know, Newtown's or Shelton's schedule or Fairfield. Yeah, prep. So, yeah, you look at so Hamden and Staples are vying for the eight spot. Hamden has law, West Hill, Notre Dame. Staples has Ridgefield, Greenwich. Yeah, that's all you need to know. This, but they're competing for the same spot. This is not the NFL. You don't give the best teams harder schedules next year because they can't exactly do anything. You can't go to the draft. You know what I mean? Yeah. This There's no draft or free agent. I don't like the it's SEC's not like he's done this for a long time. I, I hate it. I do not like it. You need to balance it out. That's the bottom line. And handed schedules, frankly, not good. And they're, yep. they're the beneficiaries. of it. Are they a good team? They're definitely a better team than they've been. But yeah, we'll see how good but, if they go to Darien. I just and get beat 60 to nothing. Then I'm just I'm just all the people who are in our DMs. Respect, respect, respect. You're not getting it in the regular season. So nope. go do what Han did three, four years ago. Go out and win a game in the playoffs. Shut us up 
by winning important games. Speaking of which, team that was undefeated going into this big game against Bologna, you've been saying it all year, Pete. Hall was, you were saying Hall was a paper tiger, and uh, sure enough, they, paper uh, they, they did not look good. What happened in that game? Uh, Maloney got off the bus. And that's really it. Maloney's hands down the better team. It wasn't even close. Like, look, Leo, Leo, Leo Pereira had a couple of snaps in the first drive, left, uh, came back a couple of times, left, didn't play in the second half. He's good. Like, we're not denying that he's not a good player. It wouldn't have mattered. Maloney's defense was that good that night. They've been playing that good all year. The offense is rolling right now. Angel RC threw for two more touchdowns. Josh Boganinski rushed for five touchdowns, 320 yards on 50 carries. I just don't think that there's a team in the CCC right now on their schedule that can beat Maloney the rest of the way. Uh, they don't play Windsor. Um, and look, I don't want people to think that I've been sitting here rooting for Hall to lose, um, though sometimes it might have come off like that. Oh, it's, it's just. Like that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I get, I take a lot of pride in voting in the New Haven Register top 10 poll. It's been around longer than I've been alive. It's been around longer than you've been alive, Sean. It's been around longer than the CIAC has hosted football championships. I take a lot of pride in my vote. And the fact that Hall kept shooting up the ballot or shooting up the rankings every week drove me insane because. They're not a bad team, but they're not a top four team in the state. They're not a top three team in the state. They're not a top five team in the state. And the poll does that. You know, teams get overinflated and they shoot up the rankings. And, you know, you saw the games. You saw the results. You saw it happen. Yes, they beat Southington. That's a great win for them. Southington's not that good. If Maloney and Southington played today, Maloney would beat them. Um. So I, I wasn't surprised. I, I don't think I'm, you know, looking at the eight teams that are in class L double L right now, uh, Hall would get Southington round two. I don't know. But like looking at that, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think the CCC is on that level yet. No. And um, it will be really interesting to see who they get matched up with in the first round, because to be honest, we said that about Simsbury two years ago and they went out and they beat Cheshire. So Maloney, Rockets up, basically assuring itself a playoff spot with that win. Uh, they are seven and one. I mean, they got Glassberry and Platt left. Uh, you know, even if they lose one of those games, they're still be fine. St. Joseph, also another one of those teams. They got Trumbull at the end of the year. They got West Hill this week. Uh, you know, they are they are pretty much assured to be in. Naugatuck's giving themselves a great shot, but it's got three games left. Who knows with the NVL? Because you know, Naugatuck lost Torrington. Early in the year, and uh, you know, so did Woodland. M, but so did, Wil so did Woodland. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, Tonagi's season will come down to that Ansonia game. We all thought it would be before the season. Um, I mean, but the, it, then again, it may if things keep working out the way Nogatuck needs them to. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe Wilton win you lost. You got a massive loss to Newtown, and a anyway, it, so. Things could be different. We'll see with, with Naga. They beat win this Wimbledon game. They're going to be putting themselves in a pretty good spot. So then you got Windsor, which was down 11 to 6 to Berlin and then scored, <laughs> what, 34 I think, points? I think, that, I think that score was the score of their baseball game back in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> 34 points in the second half to roll into that game. They have almost basically put them, well, they've put themselves in position. They got to play Newington. They can knock Newington out for good. Newington had a crazy game themselves and uh, 
you know, Patty Brown and, uh, and Austin Howe and those guys have just, you know, uh, against Platt, but, uh, defensively they've been suspect and I'd like to see what happens with Windsor should be an interesting, interesting one, but Windsor puts itself in a good position. Bristol central, you know, Victor Rosa, who's, but Plainville's not going to be a layup for, for them. No, and Ram has been playing better. I mean, he was unstoppable, but Ram hung around in that game. It wasn't quite the blowout you would think it was. So we'll see. Plainville shocked us a few weeks ago when they lost to Ram. So, uh, you know, 25-21. So that was, you know, that was interesting. But Bristol Central, they should get in. The big one here is Cheney Tech and Thames River. They play, well, actually, Cheney Tech plays Quinnipaug. And if they win that game, they're going to probably get in. And then you actually have Thames River, which plays Quinnipaug and ATI the rest of the way. So their spot's not guaranteed. And then it's space. So I'm looking at Pete. I think about two spots here. And Mazik continues to make a drive. You got to give it up for uh, for the for the for the Panthers right now. You know, Danny Shaben of Barlow, which another Shaben, what I think is the third one. 398 yards and five, five touchdowns. He had an, uh, I was just looking at his stats before the game. We haven't covered Barlow at all. And he's had, they've just been crushing it. They score like 50 something points a game, Barlow, um, except for the, the handful of losses where they scored 30 something or maybe 26. I don't remember what it was, but Shaben had massive beat five TDs. They were up 34, 19, in the third, and I think it was late in the third quarter, and Massick, Dylan Jackson with another amazing game. Watch out for this. Talk about juniors on the rise. Dylan Jackson, 21 of 35, 378 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Ryan Saku, a buck 43 and a touchdown receiving, nine catches. Jake Del Piano, five catches, 132 at TD. And Nick Saku ran 15 times or 140 yards. It was just no, no defense in that game. But uh, Massick, not out of the woods there, though. They got Newtown at the end of the year. They got Bethel and they got Newtown. If they can somehow beat Newtown, I think you're going to see him in there. And then obviously Wilton this week, you know, took care of Ward. Now they get Norwalk. They get Cam Edwards and Norwalk. And uh, well, for them, it's, it's huge because they got Pop Rugs beat them at the end of the year uh, next week. But uh, Norwalk, this is it for Wilton. And hopefully maybe they can, they, maybe Thames River drops out, maybe Cheney, who knows? But, uh, and then after that, you have hands kind of waiting in the wings. Yeah, hands going to need a lot of help. A lot. You know, the three the three tech schools in there, they really need, you know, they need Quinnebog to beat Cheney, to knock Cheney to seven and two, and then Quinnebog needs to lose to Thames to go nine uh, to go eight and two, and then we need, and then they need Thames to lose to ATI on the twentieth. To then go and then beat Quinnebog to go eight and two. That's really the only way that I think Hand with three losses can jump all three of those schools. But then they're also going to need Wilton to lose to Norwalk. Massick should probably lose to Newtown. So I, yeah, they need the, they need the tech schools to all go eight and two. Is what Hand doesn't look if they get in. Yeah. You now we all wrote them off a couple of weeks ago. We were like, all right, that's it, Hand done. But you look at their three losses: Prep, New Canaan. Shelton. Yeah. Those are all three double L playoff teams. Double L schools. Yeah. It's a joke. That's the biggest thing I'm just learning this year is that we need to, we need to fundamentally change this. If you're going to play for a certain playoff spot, you need to, and the Alliance has been doing a decent job of that. We've mentioned that and they, you know, Al thinks we kill them all the time, but 
you know, they, that's what they've been trying to do is matching it up. It's the problem is shipping everybody all the way across the state. Like there are plenty of teams that are nearby. You can do make a league out of it. Something, but you know, this is kind of ridiculous. So that's kind of like, you're looking at class class L, um, you know, and uh, class M it's kind of up in the air right now, but Brantford, our boy, John Lamone can breathe a little easier. Not quite. But, uh, hey, they took care of business. Went all the way up to Avon, took care of business. Nate Chifo had a 90-yard kickoff return to start the game, and he scored another TD late. They held Avon just to seven points. Brantford still has got the ham and acid games left, though. Guilford and they have Law. So they're not quite out of the woods yet, but I like Brantford against Law, and then I think their season comes down to Guilford, and that's about it because they got East Haven at the end. You know, I, I had a text from a friend of mine from Brantford who I've mentioned on the show a handful of times, and he texted me Friday night late, and he goes, wow, Brantford, you know, over Avon, 6-1. and one. He goes, they have a shot to make the playoffs? I go, shot to make the playoffs? I go, they have a shot to win the whole damn thing. Yeah, <laughs> well. Mm. Come on, man. You're looking at the rest of the teams that are sitting in L? ECC, Pequot, Pequot, CCC, Avon. Which I think is CCC, NVL, and Pequot. Well, I mean, if I'm going to pick. I, I still like Killingly. That spot and Rockville's playing great. Oh, Rockville's Rock, playing awesome. Rockville's playing playing great. They beat up on HK this week. You know, Granby Canton getting off the Schneid, beating Valley Regional. Plainville getting back on track, beating Eo Smith. Okay, Avon still. Okay, I got a ways to go here, but Avon, you know, they're trying to reschedule the Rocky Hill game. The Notre Dame game is canceled. They're trying to reschedule Rocky Hill for the 18th, I think. Then you got East Catholic this week, which they they could prop they should probably win. Then Lewis Mills to finish things off Thanksgiving week. So I think Avon's going to be okay. I mean, if they if they well if they beat Rocky Hill at least they can get that thing scheduled. Then you have Torrington sitting in there, Wilkett and Watertown left. Uh, I I actually like Torrington's chances now. They got I- a lot of points coming their way. They do, and I i mean, I would be great if, if Rat Co- Coach Rodriguez could get them into the playoffs. I think it would be the second time under him, second or third time under him getting into the playoffs. But, uh, you know, even Law, Law's hanging there too. I mean, yeah. if Law could beat Hamden. If Law could beat Hamden, it puts themselves right in the picture. I don't know if that happens. No, but you're looking at Coggenshog, and we were crowning them a couple of weeks ago (laughs) and now they're sitting here with Cromwell Portland and Granby their next two games they could very easily be five and four heading into Thanksgiving yeah they could be Uh, they they need some points in a in in the worst way they're just not getting Morgan would have been one or Rockville they're not going to get in Cromwell Portland is probably the best team in class s and that's going to be really tough uh so and you have ATI hanging around Watertown Gilbert I mean uh it's a weird class as always um, still, like I said, Killingly's in Rockville and Brantford, I think are your best ones there right now. So, uh, and then uh, looking at Class S, Bloomfield continues to march long. I believe they've clinched again. I can't figure this, these points out, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure they clinched. I'm pretty sure Ansonia with nine wins is clinched. They just they got a few weeks off because they have the Derby forfeit. They play Naugatuck, and then Cromwell Porton. I'm pretty sure they're if they haven't clinched yet, they're close. They got actually they have three games left, so they haven't clinched yet. Um, but just by beating Cog and Chalk, I think they'll be in good state or team below them. The but their real... schedule is not is no, not it's not, easy. Not, not easy. Cog and Chalk, five wins, Stafford, four wins, Rocky Hill, five wins coming from the CCC. That's not easy. I mean, they should win 
all three of those games, but that doesn't mean they're going to. But it's great though, because I I was I spoke to Randall Bennett at the beginning of the year, and there's not often you get coaches at the beginning of the year who's like, no, no, our team's the best. <laughs> like he was straight up like, we have the best linebacking group in the state. We are going to be really good this year. And I have all the confidence in the world that we're going to be really good this year. And here they are staring a potential 10 and 0 season in the face. And that's awesome. I wish more coaches were like that. Yeah. We, we, we like Randall. Um, <laughs> uh, Notre Dame, you're looking down a bit. Um, well, I guess the big wild card, is New Fairfield, which rallied back. Didn't look great, but rallied back to beat Notre Dame Fairfield. Basically almost knocked Notre Dame Fairfield out of race. They're still at eight right now. It's not terrible. But New Fairfield this week, their season comes down to Newtown. That's it. They win that game. And they, you know, New Melford's better uh, than it has been. So the Candlewood Cup will be interesting too. But they need to beat Newtown. And can they beat Newtown? Newtown kind of was in a little bit of a dogfight. Uh, last week, but we're, was able to take care of Weston 35 to 28. So maybe that's good news for New Fairfield. You know, yeah, but it I wasn't mean, good news for New Fairfield that they, they were down 20 to 6 to Notre Dame, which apparently only has, like, according to John Johnson, only has 22 kids. Yeah. And they're sitting at number eight right now. And they have three winnable games on their schedule. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But, uh, they I'm sorry, two, two winnable games. The right. Avon game keeps showing up, but that game's not yeah, happening. Yeah, they got to get rid of that, right. Stratford, Palmer, they should be able to win those. They're not going to get a lot of points from it. Rocky Hill could potentially jump them if they, especially if they get that Avon game rescheduled. Tolland is in there. That's a big one. And then Crum, they beat Cromwell Portland. Rocky Hill is probably going to get in there. They need, to, they, need to win the, they need to win out, though. Stafford summer use winner can get in back into this, too. But they also have they got Rockville and Cromwell, Portland. I mean, again, that's lots of good points win. out there. Yep. But can they, they win? have to get them. Ledger, another one. Sheehan didn't help itself. Could have beat Hampton. Really could have put themselves in the race here. Now Sheehan's got to kind of pray. They're not going to get a lot of points from Lyman Hall or Harvard Public. Ledger will get points, though, if they can beat Woodstock on the road this weekend. And then Fitch on Thanksgiving, Fitch their rivals. And then Woodland, you know, kind of took themselves off by losing it. So nice but they effort. could get points, but they could get points if they could beat Naugatuck and Seymour. Right. But they also have three losses. So that's another that's another thing. If you're going to have three losses, it's going to be really tough to, to get the average yeah. unless they're unless your schedule points are that much better. Woodland schedule points are better than most. But yep. uh, again, that's the wild card. I can't really I'm having a hard time trying to figure out. <laughs> How it's just a matter of all are enough of the teams that you play this you're going to win the next two weeks and that's going to determine it. So, you know, uh, that's kind of like what we're looking at here. Those are the teams that are in contention. If you have any other ones in there, you think they're going to get in there. The math is really tough. Uh, like I said, <laughs> I it's like the limbo level of inception. That's how deep we are going here to figure out who, how many wins they're going to get and how many points, potential bonus points. We haven't even figured out the math from this yet. And you know, it's, it's been tough. The CIC usually puts out its playoff calendar and they're probably, um, you know, not going to have it at least for a few days. Uh, you know, I hear Matt Fisher's working on it diligently, but it's just a mess. So uh, before we get to our guests this week, let's take a quick look at the top 10. Pete, we finally had uh, a shakeup in the top 10 after some of the it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't like last week, but last week combined with this week, combined with Hall losing, combined with Fairfield prep beating up on Shelton. 
we have a whole new poll here. And uh, we were talking about it before we uh, started recording. it. <laughs> Pete, not happy with this hall. Number 10 only drops with our first loss drops. Number 10. Um, you know, again, you lose one game. You usually don't want to drop out, but they've been living on the edge all year, all year long. They fall at 10. Number nine, Killingly bumps up. Uh, number eight, Greenwich, the team that won't go away. As we discussed on the, uh, they're still in the running for a class double playoff spot. Southington jumps back way back up two spots, nine to seven because of that hall loss. And then your boys, Maloney, all the way up. You were wondering about it last week, all the way up to number six from unranked to number six for beating Hall. Number five is Wilton. Number four, Fairfield Prep, only up one spot. Wilton jumps from seven to five. New Cannon, St. Joseph, Darien, the FCX still holding serve here. They have, uh, what, five teams in it. Shelton actually drops out, which I truly do not agree with. And look, yes, you lost by 54 points, 56 points, whatever it was. Um, but that's, they still lost to Fairfield prep. So Shelton loses to Fairfield prep drops out of the poll. Hall loses to Maloney who wasn't ranked and stays in the poll. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's a little odd, but they only lost one game. That's the thing. Shelton lost their second game. So shame on them. Anyway, (laughs) let's get our columnist Jeff Jacobs on for this. Uh, Joining us now is Jeff Jacobs, our Game Time CT columnist. Jeff, how is it going? We are in the, the home John. stretch here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's your first season covering high school football, like full season, right? Where it's all it high school football all the time. It's 1977 in Michigan. Yeah, so what do you, what do you think? What are you seeing out there? What do you think? Well, I've totally given up on my expertise after that Fairfield thumping of, uh, of uh, Shelton. I built up the no mercy uh, gales and evidently there was no mercy, but it was the Jesuits who showed no mercy. But which brings me to, I want to talk a little about sportsmanship because I went back and checked on, uh, you know, the blowout scores this year and, uh, and a couple of sportsmanship things. The thing that piqued me on one area was Englewood high school out in LA one Oh six Morningside zero. 56 nothing after one period, 83 nothing after halftime. It was 104-0, and Inglewood went for a two-point conversion to make it 106. That kind of stuff, quite frankly, makes me puke. Uh, the principal from uh, Inglewood did apologize, uh, but one of the boosters, or I guess you'd call it boosters, or supporters, and some of the kids on the team, you know, they talked about how Inglewood had been a, kind of a laughing stock and had been getting beat all the time by lot by lopsided scores, and how they'd been zero and ten. And since the new regime came in, they're twenty five and one. They got eight D one players this year, scholarship offers to play, which is all great. But their argument was like, one game, how's one game uh, make us vulnerable to such hate after all the good things we've we've done they just don't seem to understand that these things are not mutually exclusive because you turned around a program to win because you got do you want offers because the and Inglewood there's some tough areas there uh because the kids are involved in in uh in team sports and not in 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 bad things all great but that doesn't mean running up to 106 to nothing. You just don't 
you just don't rank them. It's holistic. It just drives me crazy. Like, like, uh, and I made, I, I made a, uh, comparison earlier and I hesitate to use it, but it's a little bit like when a mobster is, has, uh, has, uh, knocked off some people, but gives great, uh, money to the church and all of a sudden they go, he's a really good guy. Now I'm not putting it on that kind of level, but that's the kind of mentality that, Hey, we're not out there doing bad things, selling drugs or anything like that. So therefore we can run up the score 106 to nothing. It just doesn't, it's gotta be more mature thinking and more nuanced thinking from the coaching staff and teaching. That's a lack of teaching from the coach. It really yeah. goes to the coach. I, I agree with that. I mean, We've had that issue here, and we made right. national news because of our reaction to that issue, if you recall. Yeah. I mean, Jack Cochran was unapologetic and would run up the score, period. Uh, he 90 to nothing. I mean, that's not quite this, but it was close. 75 right. nothing, depending on it, what it was. And, you know, he's unapologetic about it. And uh, finally, the coaches had enough, and they imposed a, a penalty on themselves that, ironically, he wasn't even around to really be there for. Jack, uh, you know, he he got he got the run out of a uh, um, New London after that, or no, it was New London. It was a uh, New Britain. Anyway, Two, but yeah. but you Two know, the points. point being is that we've had that issue here. Yeah. I've seen guys do it the right way all the time. I'm reading the story about this now. The California. I mean, we at least have a running clock after 35 in the second half. So that right. gives coaches the first half. You need to work on stuff. You haven't had a good game. Blah blah blah. But when you get like fifty something points in the first quarter, I think it's time to get everybody out and call it call it a day. So yeah, I want to point. I want to point out. Uh, I went back and looked at all the scores this year, and there I found, and I did a pretty good uh, thing. I did a pretty good job combing through. Only ten examples of more than a fifty point difference, right. and one uh, most of them are. It was forty eight. The nothing or uh, fifty-four to eight, uh, eight, and they scored. Or, you know, forty-eight to six, and they scored another another touchdown to put them out. You know, in the fifty-three, fifty-four point area. I found Stonington sixty nothing over Griswold, SMSA fifty-seven to nothing over Coventry Co-op, um, Ledger sixty-four Montville six, Danbury fifty-four, uh, Bridgeport Central zero. Staples 54, Stanford 0, Crosby 55, Derby 0, Cromwell Portland 54, Creck 0, and Bloomfield 53, nothing over EO Smith, and West Haven 53 over 4, nothing. But then there's Fairfield Prep 54, nothing yeah. over Shelton. That's a real game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some of these I, are I will tell you what happened in that game. I might hear my experience. I've found that coaches for the most part, do call off the dogs now. They call right. off the dogs early. If it's the second half, they, I don't, you know, and I think what you see, if you see scoring beyond 40 points, 50 points, it's mostly because it's the JV scoring. Um, I don't right. think guys keep their bars in. Fairfield Prep took their JVs out. It was only, you know, they went over 54 late. It was like six, you know, whatever, four minutes left. That was a JV score. So by then it already built that up to that point. But can, can, can I play devil's advocate here quickly? And I'm not saying I want to see a hundred point blowouts by any stretch, but we're a year off of football. There's not enough, or there's not, <clears throat> there's not enough. There's not as much fully contact practices anymore. 
a lot of schools are um, barely getting JV teams in, you know, barely getting JV games in, let alone freshmen. So are we thinking that maybe they're using this to get these guys some experience? Again, we lost a year last year. A lot of schools don't have JV teams. Are they using this to play? And then if you're going to use your JV players to get them some experience, are you going to tell them to sit on the one-yard line? You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you know there's what? a lot of different factors in here Pete, in, that, in Connecticut. Some of those points are well taken. But my, my point is that they've done a good job. I mean, no. What, there's no seventy nothing here. There's no, you know, there's no seventy five points. There's, you know, there's one, you know, uh, a couple of games that were really close to teams like Bristol Central ran out points, but they were in close games. Uh, but the teams are just, you know, there's hardly any uh, scores above fifty five, and they've done, you know, uh, first punishing them. It didn't, you know. I've always that rule they originally had logistically. I I didn't like, but the spirit this. The, the spirit of that rule I did like. And so instead they've come to hit on this 35 point thing to let the points run when they, when they get there. And I like it. I, my point is that it's working here and it should continue to work here and let's not fall back. And, and my own, only other thing was that I don't know if you guys saw ice hockey game in, out in the Pittsburgh area, this, this uh, like about a week ago, uh, Armstrong 50, 60 kids from Armstrong high were chanting horrible things toward the, the, uh, I Female goalie from Mars, uh, the nearby high school, just awful, and it went on. And uh, it, why adults didn't jump in and stop it, I, I can't figure out. But uh, anyway, they banned the 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 entire school from going to any more games of hockey, and that specific group is going to be subject to some discipline. I hope the discipline's harsh, but my point is, we got to be ever vigilant on on stuff like that. We had, we had an incident here with East Catholic and, um, Montville, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, cheerleader. And, uh, you know, there, there's an element of, he said, she said there, but there's some also some element of, you know, it was no reason to disbelieve her. And there was some, some, uh, evidence. And then there was the Cheshire thing, uh, uh anti-Semitic kind of, trying to figure out what's going on there, which does not look like anything bad happened there. And it got, and it got remedied, but Pete, you saw something the other night that, uh, that I yeah, it was <laughs> in a bunch of those. This was more of a, yeah. If you want to go back a couple of years to new Britain and, and Southern Kim, where they didn't shake hands. No, I'm talking it was about just, this year. Yeah. Uh, well, Maloney, <laughs> Maloney Xavier, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Maloney ran through the, cheerleader line for the Xavier players and they had their banner on the floor and they just kind of ran over it and kind of broke it. Um, well, I would suggest that uh, uh, there's one thing that Kevin Frederick, I hope he did was that, you know, his heroes ran through the, over the banner. I would suggest coach uh, have uh, put down another banner and have his troops uh, run up and down the stairs at his, uh, at his uh, high school to kind of uh, tell them that, hey, you like being bad sports? You like doing it? Let's run up and down some stairs, see how it goes. That's what I think would be a good uh, solution to that. And uh, maybe a couple kids will puke as much as I wanted to puke after that 106 nothing score, and maybe they they won't run over our other team's banners, other cheerleaders' banners in the future. I think a big part of it here, I think some of the things you'll see here is because a lot of coaches have told me this, is that because you have so many inter like 
crossover conference games, you're not familiar with these guys. So you kind of, kids think they can get it. Maybe even coaches think they can get away with some of the behaviors you might see at some of these games um, that they, you know, you're not going to have to play them the next year or, you know, one of those deals, you know, maybe uh, that's been a part of it too. And I think, you know, all this, you know, cross, all the cross conference stuff is, maybe contributed to it. But I think overall in Kinetic, we've done a really good job. Um, yes. 50-point policy was a ridiculous thing with the suspension. But, I mean, if you really want to go back and look at the history of that, it was all out to get Jack. And Jack wasn't even there for the first year. It was the first couple of years it was instituted. And that kind of, you know, and then they took years to get rid of it. I've heard people, they still don't like the, the running clock at 35. I mean, the state record for comebacks is 28. So, you know, what happens if you get to 35? Will, will there be no 35-point comeback ever? And there have been certainly, uh, and I look at some of these, certainly some instances. But I think you got to be smart. Apparently in this, this, this California thing, uh, they didn't even, they, they I guess you, you can ask for a running clock and they have to be agreed to both sides. They didn't even want anything to do with that. And that smacks just awful sportsmanship. And uh, I don't see that here, at least, uh, you know, recently. No, I think the the the, uh, the state's done a good job. And I particularly want to point out Darianne against uh, NFA. I watched that game on the, the day uh, feed, and it was 42 nothing in the in the first half. They just – NFA couldn't stop. And Darianne did everything in its power to keep that – to keep it down to 49 points. And, and uh, it could have been, you know, it could have been really ugly. And uh, – Mike Forget and his and his and his staff really did a good job of of uh, handling that at that point. So they're out there. It, it can be handled right. It, it it can be handled, and I think most of uh, Connecticut's uh, is has got it right. And you know, in a lot of ways, like you said, thirty five should be forty two. I don't know. You could argue that that, but or forty or whatever. But uh, uh, the scores indicate that it's working. Yeah. Well, you know, just, let's just go back to 2019 and this team, uh, you know, I talked about it on this show a lot, but Bloomfield in 2019, I just pulled up their schedule quickly, 54, nothing, 68, nothing and 74, nothing. Not good. Not good. There's no reason to beat teams by anything more than when you have to. Right. No. And then brag about it on social media. Yeah. I think 49 is the threshold. I think we all kind of got it. And once you reach 49, you know, who cares? You right. know, Greenwich, I mean, sorry, Greenwich. Uh, Shelton got beat by 53. But that's that's never happening. I mean, that never happens in this rivalry. Ever. And that's a that's a top 10 matchup. Those are two yeah. playoff teams. Like the games that I'm talking about were against teams that, you know, Probably, you know, had maybe 20 kids or less, though Bloomfield did get a taste of their own medicine in the finals. So Bloomfield, they're only once this year, 53-0. I, I will say the teams that the teams that are worrisome sometimes are uh, are kind of mediocre teams and are playing all of a sudden they're playing a very weak one right. and they take out their frustrations. That's Which that's happens. it. And it yeah. happens. They're not they're not uh versed in and keeping the score down and yeah. they go and, and they, and they get over emotional and they just start. You should, uh, you should go check out some, some baseball in the spring. There have been games, you know, we have a run rule in the state of Connecticut. I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is exactly. I think it's like 10 after five, but like there are some games that don't even get to five and it's like 17, nothing. And guys are running into outs and bunting and stuff like that. And that I feel like is just bad. 
you know, baseball is a game where you need your timing. You know what I mean? Like it's very up or down. It's very momentum based with your hitting and to ask guys to look at three strikes or swing through pitches or bunt or get tagged out. I think it's ridiculous to do. Uh, but baseball is obviously a completely different game than like football or hockey when hockey where you can just dump and chase for the rest of the game or, you know, basketball, but no shot clock. You just hold the ball. Um, you know, I think you have to be you have to be mindful of what's going on on the field. If it looks like you're, you're if you're beating a team up, you're scoring left and right, and they are way overmatched, time to call the dogs off early. Otherwise, I think a good rule of thumb is do everything you need to do in the first half. If it becomes a blowout, then put your JVs in. Though so I will say, a couple of years ago, when I was working at the um, <clears throat> when I was working at the Register Citizen in Torrington, I think this was the 2014 season. Um, Gilbert Northwestern made the playoffs and that year it was 2015. I'm sorry. And, um, <laughs> Gilbert was playing who's on Thanksgiving and went up by like a ton and Gilbert took their guys out for 2014, 2013. I think it was, uh, and Gilbert took their guys out and Satanic <laughs> continued to throw and pulled themselves all the way back into the game. Where then Gilbert had to put their starters back in. Yeah, it was like something like twenty-seven nothing. I'm looking at it now. It was twenty-seven nothing. Satanic scored like twenty-two straight points, and Gilbert had to put their starters back in yeah, at the right. end of the game. That's the, the Gilbert problem. coach was pissed. He's like, "I was being nice. <laughs> I yeah. was being nice, and they're kicking onside kicks." Which is to get why back I say, game. "You want to score forty-nine in the first half? Go for it." No, but after that, you know. Jeff, thanks a lot. That's a uh, thank you, Sean. Good stuff. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week. We've got plenty of playoff stuff to talk about as we get further here, and we're almost there. So appreciate it. I tell you, this is how it's supposed to Joining us on the show is, of course, the seven-year head coach of Fairfield Prep. He's had this guy's just came off a massive win last week. One that kind of made my eyes pop out, and I, I was hearing it from all the fans at prep. We welcome uh, Coach Helstern, Keith Helstern, here on the show with us to, to talk a little bit about that. Patton, look at this. You going to give a big speech, Coach? Nothing uh, nothing that dramatic. Just, uh, just we'll call it uh, window dressing for right now in my classroom. Yeah, that's uh, military appreciation week, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of great, great stuff. I don't know if you saw the Killingly thing that they did. I'm not sure if you saw. They they had this big production. It was great. It's insane. I did they not. Always... I, I gotta check it out. Then I'm always a fan of that, especially on uh, a week like this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, anyway, so like, Coach, well, welcome aboard. First time you having me on here, and uh, you know, uh, what can you say about your guys? You had a little bit of time to digest, looking at the film a little bit. And I know we talked to you, me and Mike Cardell talked to you a little bit after and you know, it wasn't one of those victories you thought would, you know, if you were given a, a prediction to say 54 nothing, but uh, it sounded like your guys were really confident. Ryan O'Connell talked about it. I mean, that time Nate Smith, they all talked about how confident they were going in this one against a, a team they have problems with over, over the years. Yep. I mean, uh, for us going into Friday night, uh, it's definitely a rivalry game versus Shelton. Great program. Um, we, we've unfortunately been on the short end of, of some really tight losses, not counting 2019 against them. Like the point differential in my last – my 10 years, 11 years coaching here with them was only four points, but we'd been down three wins to like seven losses. So um, we knew the margin of error was going to be small. 
Uh, it's something that we preached this week. We had a great alumni come in and speak uh, to the guys, Ryan Utzler, who was class of 97, had a lot of success here, played at BC. He brought that up kind of out of nowhere, and it, it reiterated a lot that we were talking about as a staff. Uh, players just had a great week. I, I give all the credit to them, and my coaching staff put together a great plan, and uh, we made that margin of error something that we could control, and, and, and the boys went out there and did their very best, and then uh, we were – fortunate to have such a, a strong victory. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at some of your, uh, well, I mean, I'm trying to look over some of the, the history of it. I know you haven't played Shelton since the SEC started. That's when it really, it's only been the last 20 years, but right. I couldn't find a, uh, you know, a, a similar victory unless you counted the 75, the nothing one over East Haven, the game I was at back in uh, 2003. I remember the, the one of our, like a, that, that team wasn't great. The East Haven one, but I remember the one against Fairfield uh, against Notre Dame West Haven. They were defending champs. They had a few great players, and Prep just went in there. It was an all-time great game at Alumni with, with the slop. I never heard about it, but it was I think it was forty-one to six, and I thought it was a lot more than that. But this victory, well, like as far as points go, I mean, right. you know, you want to discount it, but it, it was uh, it was ridiculous. I, you know, it was like it was probably the most complete Prep victory I've ever seen. Let's put it that way. It was a complete game. That's the best way to describe it, honestly. And I think that's the thing again that we're going to take away from it and learn from it. Um, and not dwell on the fact that it went very well. It just, I, I think it kind of strengthens everything we've been telling the kids that as you keep moving through this season, through 2021, your ceiling is still above you. You haven't reached it. And look, Friday was a great example of us playing a complete game, offense, defense, special teams. And uh, to do that against a very good program in a rivalry game, um, great time to kind of get another step towards that realization. So we're going to use it as fuel, but we're not to sound like uh, someone who's in the NFL, but we're on a Xavier and, and we need to be because that that's a big game. It's a huge game. We have two very, very big games coming up and the boys need to use this as a lesson as to what you need to do to be successful. You got a Wesleyan guy already quoting Belichick, right? Yeah. That's I was going to say, I was very Belichick. I got to plug the alma mater. That's what I got to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, man. three, three shutouts in a row. What is uh, clicking on this defense? Because obviously even the loss against Greenwich, your only loss this year, they, they only allowed 14 points. Right. Um, playing to our strengths, we knew coming into the season, uh, we needed to switch some things around schematically to play to the kids that we had. Uh, I think that's been very successful. Um, my defensive coordinator, Justin Thomas, and my defensive staff have done a great job getting those guys in a position to play aggressively, play soundly. Um, I do think the things that we have going for us on defense is our athleticism, our speed to the ball. Uh, we are not the biggest group, but we do play physically. So you combine all those things, and I think that's a recipe for success. And we've gotten better as we've gone along, just like every other aspect, hopefully, uh, in the game. And sometimes defense is a little bit easier to get gelled than offense, especially with so many new faces out on the field. And that has helped them kind of lead the charge a little bit and, and definitely do a great job the last three games. Well, you're going to shout out Justin Thomas. I, I'm going to take the opportunity to shout out Justin and I at Alma Mater, Southern Connecticut. Yes. yes. You, um, <laughs> you know, you talk about uh, just different guys stepping up, you know, your, your offense seems like you guys are really spreading the ball out. One guy's not really taking over. How beneficial is that for you guys to be able to put the ball in a lot of different players' hands, either in the run game or, or through the air? We're, we're fortunate to be able to do that. I mean, that's, again, when you talk about playing um, complete football, if you can 
do that offensively with this kind of system. And we're, we're getting to the point now where we have a great balance between run and pass when we want to, based on game plan. Um, we're very confident that we have several guys that can help us um, win a game uh, offensively produce, whether it's yards, points, combination of both. And again, that's, that's a, a credit to the staff getting them better. We have a first year starter at quarterback and Connor Smith, who's doing a fantastic job and only getting better as it goes. Uh, but the group as a whole, uh, our line is really developing, which was probably the most inexperienced part of the team coming into the season. So a lot of things clicking right now, and hopefully we'll continue to develop. Yeah, it seems like an offense, uh, it, you know, it's that one of those key areas you really like to see a little bit more improvement from. I mean, yeah, the, the Notre Dame-West Haven game was really, really good because they that was one of those instances where they scored and you guys were able to answer it and able right. to kind of put the foot on it. But it wasn't like that. I mean, hand, it was like that way. And then you had the Hill House game where everything wasn't working. And then right. you had the Greenwich game, which they're good defensively. So that, you know, when looking back at it, it's a little different. But I th- I'm sure offensively, like you said, probably mostly inexperienced stuff. Meanwhile, you got the defensive guys like Ryan and those guys just running all over the place. And they're like, look like the, hate to use the, the analogy, but they look like the 85 Bears. They get they smothered Sheldon. It was like, what, 21 yards total offense, like one first down, something like that. It's ridiculous. So it was one first down on a penalty. Yeah. Or something. It was statistically, it was, it was, um, it was one heck of a game. That That's for sure. And again, Credit to the kids, credit to the staff, um, and taking nothing away from Shelton because we knew it was going to be a very, very tough game. But I'm, I'm glad that we were able to kind of dictate uh, the way that we were because you don't expect that to happen. You expect to hopefully play your best, and the outcome of our best on Friday was was uh, pretty special. Yeah, just to rewind, re, uh, just to re- rewind back to that Hill House game. I actually saw you that Saturday after, right. but you talked about it uh, in your earlier answer to Sean about the three phases of the game. And when you have look looking back on that game now that you guys won and it's over, to have the special teams come through in a game, have you ever had a team like that where you know the offense might not be clicking, the defense you know is playing well, but you guys still aren't scoring, but then have the special teams come through? You know, it's kind of like the the lost facet of football, right? People talk offense, defense, but you know, special teams can win you games, and clearly that did against Hill Absolutely. Absolutely. No, we were – that game was one of the oddest games I've ever been a part of, player or coach. But thank goodness we, we spent a fair amount of time on on uh, on special teams. Again, I've, I've got a great coordinator there in Matt McCloskey. Uh, I've got uh, kids that can, again, run uh, and do the things that we need to. Uh, the kicking game actually on Friday night against Shelton, shout out to Aiden Graham, my, my kicker, and – I've got a great young punter as well. Those guys play their tails off and they've, they've helped make us a more complete team. And that is the truth about special teams. It is, it's a third of what you do and it makes a difference in field position and you don't want to have points lost. You, you know, margin for, for error, like we talked about at the beginning of the interview. So that's, those are the things, again, we want to continue to keep working on and get, be good at because those are things, especially as you get late in the season and, and hopefully, if we're fortunate enough to be in the postseason, you have to be great at those things because those are the, the things that help you win. Tell me a little bit about some of your guys, Coach. I mean, especially Ryan O'Connell, who's just been, you know, talk about spiritual leaders and just leader by example and vocal. And he's kind of the complete package. And he's a great player, too. Yeah. Ryan's um, – he, he is definitely 100% football player. He's, he's doing a fantastic job leading by example. I think he's grown up as a young man during the season. Um, also as being a captain, I think it's honestly the thing I'm most proud of him for, but physically and 
um, setting the sort of tone for us. He's done a fantastic job. All, all four of our captains have. I'm, I'm fortunate to have three of them that are defensively right now. We've got Ryan. We've got Tymaine Smith, who also plays some offense for us as well, returns kicks. He had a big strip uh, and fumble recovery for a touchdown on Friday. Yeah. Jack Mullen plays defensive end for us and some tight end. He's doing a fantastic job. Um, and then I've got James Ira Poli, who's one of our starting wide receivers. But the, this – team is being led by some great players but it is succeeding because of a lot of kids playing up a lot of kids again Sean you and I talked about it after the game learning on the job and young guys and experienced guys from the number of guys that are on the field for us that have ever had any varsity experience I think there's three kids wow. um, so a lot of these guys are stepping up and, and playing at a high level and I think that's kind of um, that's kind of the function of us being hopefully stronger now than we were week three, week four, even though we might've been playing well or, or rough around the edges in some other ways, but um, a lot of people contributing, a lot of people playing it together and we're getting a team effort, which is what you want um, yeah. ultimately to be successful. What did you do? Like with you, how much did you work them during that off week? You know, I remember you were really got guys were in that game versus Brandon's right to the very end. And uh, you know, what, you know, what was the message going into that week? And, uh, you know, cause you hadn't really, you played hand, but you know, that was your first really big test. Right. I mean, looking back, hand was a good win too, but, um, you know, and, and, and I heard some of your coaches telling your kids, this is why we work you guys as hard as we do, but it sounded like that week was particularly tough. I honestly, I think it was more of just a little bit of a revelation when you, when you lose a game that, you know, again, you could have won, um, what are the things that we control to make sure that we we don't put ourselves in a position where it's close, where we don't finish it as opposed to the other team. So mentally and uh, from a maturity standpoint, especially from our seniors on down, I think that was, that was the biggest message. We didn't go, um, you know, through the roof about anything beyond that, working on our fundamentals, going back to the things that we needed to do, maybe doing a little bit more self-assessment on things that we could help. Um, let's say offensively, schematically, some of the things, little nuances we can get better at too. But um, it's a, a lot of self-reflection at that point because when you're coming back off of that, you, you've got big games right off the bat and, and you have to be ready to go. And you can't be uh, – one loss can't become two because it didn't go well. Right. Same thing as saying one big win is not going to justify you winning the next one either. It's uh, Pete and I were talking about that before. It's uh, – it's not some nobody's guaranteed anything. So that that truth uh, makes every day that important. You know, it's interesting. Prep is really interesting because uh, there's been so many great teams over the years. I've seen, and then there's always been, like you mentioned, you know, they have that signature win, and then something falls apart. Or I mean, there have been some really good ones, but you know, you guys are trying to get to a uh, get back to the state playoffs. That's always a goal. And then, then obviously, the schools have won a state championship since '88, which has always been a you know people don't like to talk about it that much, but you know, uh, you had a really looking back. You guys had a really good team in the making last year. COVID yep. kind of wipes that out, you know. And it must get to the point like, oh, what do we got to do here? You know, right. you know. I, but I don't know you look like. I mean, I don't know. Do you think you had a team that really could have done something last year? Twenty twenty would have been, I think, a heck of a year for us. Um, the the one thing I'll say about whatever the past is, the best thing I think about this place. There's there's honestly a, a tremendous culture at the school because the focus that we have truth be told is to develop these boys into young men and yeah. and football or athletics is a big extension of that um i knew at the minute i got uh the good fortune to, to 
be in this job. Um, and I also know for a fact that, you know, the sort of support that we have from our families, our administration, um, the school community in general, you know, game night has been fantastic coming back without uh, 2020 season. I think you could see that at the hand game. You definitely saw it on Friday. And it's not just because of the result. It's because of the passion about the school seeing the kids succeed. Um, winning's hard, too. Right. And winning's not something that's going to be Yeah. Winning is hard. <laughs> I tell I, I tell the kids that I said, we're going to enjoy every win, even if it's ugly, because this is hard. <laughs> right. But we're going to learn from it. If it was hard, we're going to enjoy it if it feels as good as it possibly could. And Friday did in a lot of ways, but we're not going to uh, rest on it because it, there's a lesson from COVID right there. You're guaranteed nothing. And right. um, we have a we have a responsibility to each other to do our very best because we've invested a lot in it, but I have a, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the place that I'm able to coach at the people I coach uh, and work with. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for the people that we play. I don't, I don't take any of it for, for granted. And uh, we're in a good situation right now, but we have to control it one day at a time. And uh, hopefully it's going to give it us uh, past two more games, but we're going to, again, we're focused on Xavier. I saw, um, I saw that Nick Morris was, watching and loving every minute of uh friday night um you know and uh how proud are you guys that you know what he's been able to do i know he wasn't able he did what he needed to do he got out of here and he and connor went as well and you know i heard kids asking about how westlake was doing and uh you know it seems like there's a good still a great bond between you guys and the guys who left and you know i I guess once prep yeah always prep kind of thing it's a it's a big it's a big piece of it uh i look I, i didn't go to prep I'm a public school kid from New Jersey, but um, one thing I've learned in the time that I've been here is they talk a a lot about brotherhood, but we live it. And the alumni from decades ago feel just as strongly as young men that were here a couple of years ago. And um, that's another thing about the the place. I think it gives it a lot of character and strength and why stuff like athletics, whether it be football or anything else, is a great manifestation of that, whether you're on the team or you're cheering for them there's a sense of uh, connectivity there and, and, and family. And we talk about our football program as being a family and we mean that, you know, it's, it's not always easy. Like family life isn't, it's a lot of work, but the, uh, the benefits in the long run, I think are, are, are tenfold for what these guys are putting into it. And uh, I'm extremely excited for what they've done and looking forward to what they have left. Yeah. yeah it's pretty incredible. Uh, <clears throat> it's pretty incredible. Just, you know, I've covered a lot of Fairfield prep baseball and hockey uh, obviously, and, and football, but anytime there's a big game or a champion, like all these Fairfield prep fans are, are just like in my email or on Twitter and they're just, they come from everywhere. It's, right. it's so, it's wild, uh, right. you know, and then, you know, you talk about all of the, and all the kids go and support every team, like whether it's packing out the football game or, or Wonderland Ice Arena, I mean, got to be a little bit of pressure to perform and <laughs> you got like all those people there. It, it's um, first off what you're talking about, Pete, it's, it's a tremendous network of people. Again, that, that extension of that experience and that family from a pressure standpoint, again, we put the pressure on ourselves, both as uh, a program, our kids, our coaches, no one is more invested in it than the people that have to live it on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, again, uh, a comment I made after the game on Friday was one of the biggest compliment I can say about a great group of kids right now is that they're not satisfied 
they're willing to keep growing. They're bought into it, which is always awesome, but it's because they, they realize that they're in charge of their own development as much as anything else. So that pressure's self-imposed, but it's, we're lucky to have it. You know, it's, it, it's something that I think kind of fuels you to be your best. And that's why kids come here. And what we're trying to do win or loss is to try to grow from it because uh, you know, you're not guaranteed a victory. No one bats a thousand um, in any sport. So we have a job to do, but that job is to kind of take it a day at a time and, and be our best selves. That's really something I tell the kids all the time. You, know, you mentioned you're from Jersey, uh, just outside New York, just, you know, uh, what is it? They, uh, I forget what it's called, like Ridge. Glen Ridge. Grand Ridge, right. Um, you know, I end up in Wesley. How do you, like, just take us through the journey. How did you end up at Fairfield Prep? I know Tom took over in 10 and Right. You know, it was right after the Rich Magan years and, uh, you know, it was kind of a new, new thing. And, but, you know, how did you end up here? <laughs> That's the big question. I basically from, from graduation on, um, for me, I, I just like teaching and coaching was a calling. It was either going to be that or law school. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I went in the direction that I did um, <laughs> because it's been the thing that's basically been kind of my, um, my guide professionally for a long time but I went from out of college I was one year at a boarding school teaching and coaching the coaching bug bit me really hard got into college coaching I was fortunate to coach for for eight years at the division three in the FCS level I was at Amherst College I was at Columbia University I was at my alma mater I had one or two other secondary school stops uh, in between and then at the end of my Wesleyan run which was four years I was looking for something that was going to be a bit more, I hoped, uh, stable, but at a place where I could apply my passion and hopefully do uh, a, a great job. I had played with guys from Fairfield Prep in college. I had recruited guys from Fairfield Prep when I was a college coach, sent out a bunch of cold resumes. One of the responses I got was from Tom, who had just been hired as the head coach. And it just so happened that he and I hit it off. I was able to interview a couple of times and opening came up in the history department. And here I am 12 years later and uh, could not be more thankful for the opportunity given. Yeah. And you love it, huh? Yes. I think uh, you have to love it. It's a, it's a labor of love, but to, again, in the long run, see these uh, young men not only get something from football that I felt like I did when I played um, and to see them grow as people at the same time, it, there, there's a lot of fulfillment in that. It's a lot of hard work, but that's, that, that comes with the territory if you want to try to do it well. And again, that doesn't always guarantee you wins, but it's got to be something that's heartfelt. And that's what the, we're the, to the thing about prep, it's amazing. It's just how different it's changed in the last 10 years. I mean, you got a new stadium. I mean, state of the art. Yep. The only thing that bugs the hell out of me, I don't know how you guys do it, but there is the, is the lines. <laughs> bugs the hell out of me. I don't know how you do it. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. <laughs> But, and you no. guys, you guys also do have a great social media account. Whoever runs the, oh, I mean, I know great. who runs the, the Fairfield he's Prep. He's good. Football County's great. Yes, they, uh, we're very, very, very fortunate. That's uh, that's a nice way to kind of again connect to that network, keep people in the loop, but also add that sort of energy that you need in twenty twenty one around the program. Again, very lucky from my end to have those sort of people and support. Well, yeah. So, you know, you got a two games left here. I mean, yep. nothing's like you said, nothing's a given. David, we've seen them really good. West Haven's playing great lately. Yep. Um, you know, so by no means are you guys right, fixed, but this uh, this is a big stretch here. But, uh, um, you know, I just I don't know what the, that's the sky's limit for this team, huh? I think for from our end, it, it, it's 
again, we're just, we preach it one week at a time. We really do. And we are very, very aware of what we need to try to do this week up at Xavier. So that's all we're going to concentrate on. Do, Do the kids have high hopes? Of course they do. Do we? Sure we do. But, you know, um, if you're not present, you're not going to be successful. I think right now in this season proves that for a lot of people, you, you can win or you could lose in a very competitive game any week, no matter how good you are, I think, in Connecticut high school football right now. So taking nothing for granted, um, excited about what we have in front of us this week going up to Xavier, and, and we want to work hard to get that W. Personally, I think you guys are good in great shape. I hope you get in, and I hope I see a Darian <laughs> – Fairfield prep rematch from like uh, lacrosse season. Cause I know those lacrosse players on both sides uh, of, of this thing that, uh, you know, that they're just a great rivalry between these schools the last yeah, year and change. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> All right, coach. Well, we know you got to go. We got to, we appreciate you giving us a little time here and uh, you know, a, a great, great work. You know, obviously you guys have done a great job and you know, I just, uh, just keep chugging, I guess. Right. <laughs> That's it. We're going to keep moving along and uh Again, very proud of our guys and our school to uh, support us the way we we have been all the time, but to hopefully manifest it and have a great finish to the season. So thanks for having right. me on. Hey, all, thanks for all coming all on, Coach. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you. All right. So, Pete, that was Keith Helster. Look, I, I know the uh, he's like Mr. He's, he sounds like a college coach. I mean, he spent a lot of time there. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about guys who are talk, speaking the, the – uh, what they need to say to keep their team focused one game at a time. Don't look too far ahead. I mean, uh, but Hey, it's working for them. They're, uh, they're rolling. They're, they're, they're a team on a mission. And, uh, you know, it's not, they don't have the easiest road Xavier and West Haven to finish the season, but I wouldn't bet against Fairfield prep right now. And I was at their playoff Keith's first playoff win a couple of years ago, they beat Southington. Uh, and that was a big emotional game for them. And they left it all out there. And, you know, if, if their defense continues to play the way that they've been playing, I mean, I, you know, you look at the rest of class double L and I'm already licking my chops for Fairfield prep dairy in a boil, right? <laughs> oh man. Uh, after all the cross battles we had with those two this season, um, you know, Fairfield prep beating that, uh, beating them the second in the playoffs, knocking Buchanan out, sorry, knocking Darian out of the running for state championship. So, and there are lots of guys on those teams. Um, there are lots of, there are lots of lacrosse players. I mean, Minicus Kamiski, yeah, just to name a few, <laughs> you know, we have, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, should be a lot of fun. All, all of a sudden, it, my only thing with prep is that I just, you know, I hope their offense gets into gear a little bit there because, you know, if the defense has, you know, you got a team that can solve that defense somehow, uh, they might be in trouble. But who is it? I don't I don't see it. Maybe Greenwich. Maybe Darian. Maybe that's it. So, I mean, if Greenwich gets in, that would be wild. And I would get such a big kick out of that because if they're going to get in. They're going to get in as an eight. And then they got to go to Darianne. The two haven't played this year. I mean, that's not a cakewalk first round game. And it's a rematch of the first round from two years ago. Oh, ooh, baby. Let's go. So, well, we got, a, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on this week. It's almost time to start getting ready to figure out these playoff points and 
Who's Are you kidding me? We're already what? doing the Thanksgiving polls. We're already doing the Thanksgiving capsules. Well, we'll be doing things. I can't wait. My favorite week of the entire sporting year. Connecticut's greatest sporting day. Sure, there's some teams playing the nice, including Fairfield Prep at West Haven. But anyway, it's getting really dark here. I forgot to turn my lights on. So, so uh, let's get out of here, Pete. Um, thanks, thanks for joining us. Good podcast. Don't forget, uh, we do this on a live action version. It usually comes out the day after because it takes time to put together. But uh, if you're listening to this and haven't seen the live uh, podcast yet, it's on GameTimeCT.com, or you can check it out on YouTube as well. Uh, that'll do it for this. Thank you for uh, Keith Helster for joining us. Thank you, Jeff Jacobs, for joining us. And, of course, for Pete Fergwaga, I am Sean Patrick Boyd. This has been the Game Time. This has been the Meat Grinder on Game Time CT. Love you. Thank <laughs> you.